0: Good morning. I'd like to welcome everyone here, those people who are on live stream to Lake Oconee Presbyterian Church on this July the fourth weekend. i especially like to welcome our visitors. And if you are a first time visitor, when you leave today, we have a welcome package on a table in the Northwick. Please take one with you. Uh, our senior pastor, Jeff Burr and Evie, they are on vacation. And Dr. Joe King, he will fill in today And also, Amy Reber, who is our pianist and our choir director. She is also on vacation, and Nancy King will fill in today. Uh, As many of you know, Nancy and Joe King were once, Dr. Joe King, excuse me, were once uh, our pastor and our pianist here, and it is always great to have them back. Uh, for those of you who are on the inside aisle, if you'll take the friendship pad, it's under the chair in front of you, and pass it. we appreciate it. Uh, wanted to make a note of some of the announcements in the bulletin. The church office, it will be closed on Monday, July the 4th, in an uh, observance of the holiday. The women's prayer group will resume this month on July the 12th at 1 p.m. in the library. Their meetings will continue this second tuesday of every month the esl english as a second language will resume this fall they're in need of volunteers and please see russell puppy for more information and bookbinders will meet on friday july the 15th at 10 a.m at the church (laughs) for more information about our church please check your bulletin now let us prepare our hearts for worship
1: Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome, Lake Oconee Presbyterian Church. I want to thank Harold for his kind words and introduction this morning. And it's just so nice to be back once again to open God's Word and uh, encourage you in the, your walk with the Lord and just to look out in our congregation and see uh, many new faces that I haven't had the privilege of meeting and many that I've known for. Over 20 years, so uh, it's good to be together. Let me um, begin our time of worship this morning with our call to worship from Psalm 148. And notice what the psalmist says Praise the Lord, praise the Lord from the heavens, praise Him in the heights, praise Him, all His angels, praise Him, all His host, praise Him, Son. And Moon praise him all you shining stars praise him, you highest heavens, and you the waters above the heavens, praise the Lord would you pray with me this morning father, as we come to this time to give you praise and to give you glory, we ask that you would tune our hearts to sing your praise, and that father that you uh, very real way your holy spirit would meet with us this morning and encourage us and teach us from your word as we worship you and we give you thanks in jesus name we pray amen would you stand together and let's sing hymn number 457 in your hymnal come thou fount of every blessing Oh, mm-hmm. Come to the time in our worship this morning of our confession of sin, and we need our confession of sin. The Bible tells us that we are sinners, and it says that we can confess our sins to the Lord. And let me read to you, if I may, from Psalm 130, verses 1 through 3. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, you hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, then who could stand? Let's have just a quiet time together, a personal confession of sin, and then together we will read our uh, corporate uh, confession of sin. Let's pray. Would you join with me together as we pray? Almighty God, who does freely pardon all who repent and turn to him, now fulfill in every contrite heart the promise of redeeming grace, forgiving all our sins and cleansing us from an evil conscience through the perfect sacrifice of Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. The assurance of pardon knowing that we have been forgiven our sins is these words. But with you, Lord, there is forgiveness that you may be feared. Would you stand together and let's sing a song of praise, Lamb of God. i To a time of prayer and give you thanks and praise to the Lord, and like for us to recite together the prayer that Jesus taught His disciples to pray. Then I'd like to lead us in a time of prayer as well. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, as we forgive our debtors. and Lead us not into temptation, but forgive us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Father, we come this morning to worship you and to give you the glory and praise that is due to you. We thank you, Father, that you control all things by the counsel of your will. And we worship and adore you and praise for you are a holy God. You are a mighty God. You are a loving God to your people. And we thank you. We thank you for all the blessings that you have blessed us with. We thank you, Father, for ordaining prayer that we may talk to the creator of all the universe to have a listening ear, to hear, and to know that he cares about all things in our lives. We thank you, Father, for the Son who represents us in prayer and takes our prayers and molds and shapes them to the Father, and we pray in Jesus' name. We come today, Father, as weak and feeble people, as sinners that need grace. Yet we know that you understand and You grant us strength during our trials. We thank you, Father, for giving us rest, giving us grace to carry on. Father, we would pray today for many of the affairs in this world. We think of the war that is in Ukraine, and we think of your church that's there, the believers that are being scattered. And we pray, Father, that you would bring an end to that war. We pray for those believers that you would strengthen their faith. Many have lost their their loved ones. Some have lost their churches. We know that one of the seminaries that we've been closely associated with is now not working and functioning. Oh, God, we ask that you would strengthen your church in that country. And as these people go to other places for their safety, may the gospel be going with them on their lips. We pray, Father, too, for those in our congregation this morning that need our prayers. And we we think of Susan and um, Tom Porter and the trials that they are going through with their health. We pray, Father, for Jack Oxford and thank you for his many years of service into this church. We pray for him and his knee problems and upcoming surgeries with melanoma. We pray, Father, too, for Mike Roberts as he recovers from this infection and spinal issues. And we pray, Father, for his wife, Peggy, as she cares for him. Pray, Father, today, too, for Doug Hesse as he battles this pancreatic cancer. And for Gene, his wife, who's by his side, caring for him. And we pray, Father, that you would arrest this cancer and restore to him his health. Encourage him. We pray, Father, for Jerry Hill and his surgeries and recovering, and we pray, Father, for uh, others in this congregation, our children, our grandchildren that need our prayers, need our encouragement. We pray, Father, too, today for for our missionaries, and we thank you for them and for their families. And, Lord, we uh, thank you for the work they're doing and the fact that uh, we can partner with them to give the gospel and uh, have a significant impact in evangelizing the world. So, Lord, would you encourage them and the mission agencies that this church supports. We thank you that it is a mission-minded church. We pray, Father, for Pastor Jeff Birch and his wife, Evie. Thank you for bringing them here to this church for his shepherding gifts. We ask, Lord, that you would just give him rest and give him refreshment, give him encouragement as he's away these few weeks and these days that you would would allow him to rest and uh, restore to him, Father, and uh, encourage him. We pray, Father, too, and thank you for the gifts that we bring to you of our tithes and offerings. Truly, Father, these things that we bring are from you. You give us the ability to earn them or to make investments for them. But ultimately, Lord, we return to you, because you've given them to us, and we bless you. And we pray, Father, that you would use these gifts for your kingdom's sake, not only here at Lake Oconee, but throughout the state, throughout the United States, and literally around the world. That one day, Lord, we may see someone who's come to know Christ to say thank you for your investment in my ministry, sending the missionary to tell me about the good news of Jesus. So, Lord, these offerings we bring to you are for your kingdom's sake. And we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Stand together and let's sing the doxology. to invite your attention this morning to the book of 2 Corinthians in chapter 1 2 Corinthians chapter 1 I'll be reading from the English Standard Translation If you have a Bible you might want to turn there this morning we're going to be looking at several verses hopefully this will be a real encouragement to you this morning listen to the word of God as I read it in the first 11 verses of 2 Corinthians Chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God that is at Corinth, with all the saints who are in the whole of Achaia. Grace to you, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too if we are afflicted it is for your comfort and salvation and if we are comforted it is for your comfort which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer our hope for you is unshaken for we know that as you share in our sufferings you will also share Who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril. And he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope. That he will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer. So that many will give thanks on our behalf. For the blessings granted us through the prayers of many. Would you pray with me? Father, we uh, come now and asking that the Spirit would guide us in our words and our thoughts, that Jesus would be lifted up and exalted, the Father praised, the Holy Spirit would do a work of illuminating our minds to understand the truth. We thank you that you have already inspired the Word of God for us, Now, Father, would you help us to understand it? And would you help us, Father, to go a step even further, not just to know it, but to do it? Because we want to be more like our Savior. We want to obey the commands that He's given us in Scripture. We want to walk in the Spirit, not in the flesh. Lord, we want to be all the people of God that you would have us to be and not miss anything. So, Lord, we ask now that you would speak to us from your passage of Scripture this morning. And we'll give you thanks. And we'll give you praise. For we love you only because you first loved us. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. One of the curses of the fall of man in the Garden of Eden is that we all experience suffering. There's pain, there's trials in this world, and Christians are not immune to that at all. We know the difficulty of an extended illness. We know what it is to lose a loved one. We know what it is to lose a child. We experience the frustration of a 401k going to a 201k. We know the pain that it is to go to the gas pump, try to fill up a car, and realize the value of the car increases the more gas you put in it. We experience emotional illnesses. We experience depression. We experience anger. We experience anxiety. We experience sadness. All relating back to what happened in the garden, and we feel the effects of that every day. But the Bible has some good news for us this morning. It teaches us that as Christians suffer, the Bible tells us that we're suffering is not for nothing. Let me give you a couple of verses of Scripture to support what I'm saying. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 21, Paul wrote to Peter and he said, For you have been called for this purpose since Christ has suffered for you. Did you hear that? Christ has suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. Or Romans chapter 8 and verse 17. Now if we are children of God, we are heirs of God. And heirs of God, we are co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may share his glory. 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 8. Do not be ashamed to testify, our Lord, or ashamed of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the cause of the gospel who has saved us and called us to a holy life. The one who is writing this book in Second Corinthians understood suffering. Matter of fact, if you'll turn the page over to page uh, chapter 4 and verse 7 of this book, you'll, you'll read these words. But we would have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Listen to his condition. Verse 8. For we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh. It doesn't sound like Paul was preaching a health, wealthy, and prosperity gospel, does it? He's saying right up front, suffering is not something that's the exception in the Christian life. It's something that is the norm. I love what the Heidelberg Catechism says in question number one. Let me read it for you, if I may. What is your only comfort in life and death? What is it? How are you comforted in life, this life, and in your death? Here's what it says. That I am not my own, but I belong body and soul in life and death to my faithful Savior Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with His precious blood and has set me free from the tyranny of the devil. Listen to this. He also watches over me in such a way that not a hair may fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation. Because I belong to Him, Christ by His Holy Spirit assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him, even in the midst of suffering. John MacArthur in his commentary lists several reasons for suffering. And I'll condense them and give them to you. I think they'll be helpful to you. He says, First of all, God allows us to suffer to test the validity of our faith to test the validity of our faith. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7 says this. Peter is talking about trials and suffering. So he says, So that the testing of genuineness of your faith, which is more precious than gold, that perishes through, it is tested by fire, may be found to result in the praise and glory and honor of the revelation of Jesus Christ. Do you hear what Peter said? That your faith that is being tested as gold is more precious than gold itself as it's being refined. You see, God doesn't waste suffering. It's part of His plan. Secondly, Dr. MacArthur says, God allows suffering to wean us from the world. He says to help us break our attachments to the world. Because we tend to trust in the worldly things. We trust in worldly resources. We trust in human reason. We trust in money and power and all the prestige and influence and friendships, whatever it can be. He says God wants to take us from those things and, and teach us that He is the only one that sustains us. Thirdly, He says He allows us to suffer to teach us obedience. Our trials come to teach us obedience. Hebrews chapter 12 verses 4 through 6 says, My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. For those whom he loves, he disciplines. And he scourges every son whom he receives. It's a sign of God's loving us when we suffer. Now, we're suffering for righteous sake. And there's a difference between suffering for unrighteous sake and suffering for righteous sake. And Paul says, that's the purpose. Fourthly, God allows us to suffer in that we might reveal His compassion and comfort in our misery. God is ever and always concerned to manifest Himself, and it is God's desire that we understand who He is, and we know His nature, and we see His nature displayed in us. That's what Paul says here in Second Corinthians chapter one and verse verses three. Notice what he says. He says. Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of what? Mercies. And God of what? Comfort. Who comforts us in some of our affliction? No, He says all of our affliction. Why? So that we may be able to comfort those with which we are comforted by God. So the suffering is not just solely about us. It's about those that are around us. It's about the fellowship of other believers. It's about the church as they watch us go through this trying time of suffering. And fifthly, related to that, the Lord allows us to suffer to enable us to help others in their trial, in their need. You know, some of the best encouragement I have gotten when I've gone through a difficult trial comes from somebody who's been through that trial themselves. If you've ever had cancer, you know what it is to hear that dreaded C word and someone come along and say, I've been there. I know what it's like to go through that. And I want you to know, I'm going to be praying for you. That's a great encouragement. Let me give you just a brief background of this book before we dive into the verses that we're going to look at this morning. Paul started this church somewhere around 50 A.D., maybe 52 A.D., we're not really sure. Corinth was a a very wicked place, had a lot of problems, immorality. And he had gone from Ephesus over to uh, Corinth to start this church. He stayed there a year and a half. While he was there, he wrote them a letter, exhorting them in their, walking in their faith. That letter, the providence of God, was lost. They read it. We don't know where it is, whatever happened to it. They wrote him back another letter. And Paul said, we still got some problems in Corinth. So he wrote them another letter. Believe it or not, that letter was lost. And then they responded, We wrote him another letter. And then he wanted to go to Corinth and he wanted to see what was happening. He had a very painful visit. And he wrote them the the, 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 first chap, the first book here of Corinth called uh, First Corinthians. And then uh, after that time, he went back to Ephesus. From Ephesus, he was concerned about what was going on in the church. He went to Macedonia. He met Titus there. Titus encouraged him. He came back to Ephesus, and he wrote Second Corinthians. Let me summarize what I just said. He wrote four letters. We only have two of them in the Bible. The other two are lost. But Paul was writing there to encourage these believers who were struggling uh, with their Christian faith. And so he he's writing them, he gives them comfort. Now, I want you to notice something, first of all, in the outline this morning. The source of conflict. He says this, God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction, Why? so that we may be able to comfort those in any affliction with the comfort that we ourselves are comforted by God. Did you notice as we were reading the scriptures this morning in these 11 verses, there is a word that kept coming up over and over and over? It's the word comfort. It's mentioned in verb form or noun form at least 10 times in 11 verses. Now, if somebody's going to tell you something, they're going to tell you, you, tell you ten times in a short time, you would think you better be listening because it's an important thing. And the word comfort comes from the Latin word which means to come alongside and to strengthen. It's the word thelepsis or parathlepsis. We get the word para which means beside. We get uh, the word para, para paramedic beside the medic. Here it's beside Someone coming beside to hold us up, someone coming to encourage. It's the same word that he used, uh, John used in John chapter 14 and verse 16 about the Holy Spirit, who is our comforter, one who strengthens us, one who helps us. And Paul begins and he ends the sentence in the same message. He says, It is God ultimately who gives us comfort during the time of affliction. Now, notice the word that he uses here in verse 6. We are afflicted. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and your salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Do you see that Paul is, not, is saying that the, the, what he's going through is not about him? It's about others. He has a perspective to realize that God has placed this in his life, whatever the affliction is, and he said, it is, I'm going through this affliction so that I may be an encouragement to you. You know, we tend to forget that, that we live in a body of Christ of other believers. And they're watching what we do. They're watching what we say. They're watching how we react to things. I remember when our daughter was very little. And um, she was just a little girl. And we put her in the back seat of the car and strap her into her car seat. And we were on a trip going through uh, 285 in Atlanta one day. And you know what that's like. Blood pressure's up. Child in the back seat. We're driving along. And uh, I missed uh, a turn. Oh, man. Not good. Not good in Atlanta. You know what it is to drive in Atlanta. Five o'clock traffic. You don't know what's happening. This was before they had GPSs in the cars back then. And I was starting to lose it a little bit. And my wife, being the sweet lady that she is, she looked at me and she said these words, remember, little eyes and ears are listening and seeing. You know, I said, I don't really care. (laughs) I just want to get there see what Paul's saying he's saying it's not about him it's about the church it's about encouraging them so the suffering that he was going through he wanted to be sure they understood came from the father first of all ordained by him secondly he wanted to be sure that they understood that what they were going through was going to be a building block for their faith that may be totally new to you this morning Because we don't think of it like that when we're going through suffering. We think about, God, why me? How long is this going to happen? How do I get out of this? Those are very good questions that we probably need to answer too. But we also need to ask ourselves and see things from God's perspective. God, what is it you want to teach me through this difficult thing? It's interesting in verse 6 he uses the word affliction. It's an interesting word that he uses because it's the word picture of an animal that is so burdened to carry a a luggage or carry a load that he can hardly walk. He's just struggling to make it. It's also the word picture of grapes that are being pressed down to make wine. He says, we were afflicted, but notice... The affliction is balanced by the comfort. As God brings more affliction, He brings more comfort. And so the same, the, the, both are true. And Paul is saying here that, that as we go through the trial and we've gone through the affliction, then we're able to minister to those who are going through similar um, similar sufferings as we are. Several years ago... My wife and I were Home Depot in Atlanta. And um, there was a gentleman that walked in, and I looked at first, and I, I thought, I, th- I think I know that man. I think I've seen him on TV. And um, I kept looking, and I kind of followed him at a distance. You know, I didn't want to stalk him. And I said to Nancy, I said... Uh, you know who that guy is right there? And she looked, she said, well, that kind of looks like Chuck Colson. Now, Chuck Colson was Richard Nixon's right-hand hatchet man, brilliant attorney, involved in the Watergate scandal, came to Christ, born-again man, movie about his life, written numerous books. And my next thought was, do I go up and say anything to him? And I said, Nancy says, no, 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 let's don't go say. So I went up and said, my name's Joe King. <laughs> I could feel this little face on the side of my shoulder smiling. <laughs> and this is my wife, Nancy. <laughs> I said, uh, Mr. Colson, I just want to thank you for all that you've done for the kingdom and uh, all that you've been through. And he was so gracious and so kind, and his wife and his, his sons were with him. And I remembered him going to prison in Montgomery, Alabama for what he did in the Watergate scandal. And while he was in prison, he was introduced to the gospel, and his life changed, changed dramatically. He knew what it was to be with the prisoners, and he understood their hardships and their Discomfort in their fights and going from eating food in the White House to going to eating food in a prison. You know what it was to sleep on a bed that was not very comfortable? When he was released from prison, he started a ministry called Prison Fellowship, it was literally around the world to minister to people who've been through what he went through. God doesn't waste his suffering, folks. It's not pleasant. Years ago, there was a book that was written by Ron Davis. It's called Gold in the Making. I don't know if it's still in print now or not. Written by Ron Davis. And the premise of the book comes from Job 23, verse 10. It says this, When he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Do you realize how precious gold is to you? You ladies, when you stand in front of the mirror in the morning and you put your necklaces on and your gold and your gold earrings and you're so proud, think of this. God says that's nothing. Your faith is more important. You're maturing and your faith is more important. Hey, let me tell you the perspective. Down here with gold, we rob and steal, shoot, murder, go into jewelry stores and kill people for gold. In heaven, they walk on it. How's that for perspective? And the Bible says your faith, what you're going through, and what God is doing in through you is more important than even refining gold. Secondly, he talks about the suffering of the crisis. He talks about going through it First Peter chapter six, excuse me, First Peter chapter one, verses six. "In this you greatly rejoice, even though for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which perishes through the fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So God brings the affliction and he says, I am testing you, I am trying you, I am, I, am, I am trying to make you strong. And Paul tells us that as the troubles increase, so the comfort increases. He always balances that. In verse 8, notice he says, For we do not want you to be unaware The affliction we experienced in Asia. (laughs) Notice, we were utterly burdened beyond our strength so that what? We despaired of life. You ever think about that with the Apostle Paul, this great giant in the faith? He came to a point where he says, God, if you don't show up and deliver me from this, I'm going to die. Now we don't know exactly the episode or the situation that he was talking about. Maybe it was in Acts chapter nineteen, in in uh, where he was writing the book of Corinth, Corinthians from, from Ephesus. But we know that in Acts chapter nineteen there was this riot, and Paul was it started the church in Ephesus. The church was growing, and one of the things that he said to the church it was full of idols. He says, "Hey, these idols aren't anything at all. Worship the true God." Demetrius, one of the silversmiths, in that. In that town was a silversmith and made his living making idols. and caused such a confusion, they had to get Paul out of town. And Paul wanted to go into the council and instruct them. And the the brother said, no, Paul, you can't go. You won't get out alive. The sentence of death was on Paul. He was burdened excessively. Why? Verse 9, so that we do not trust ourselves, but rely on the God who what? He raises the dead. You see, whatever it is that you go through, God understands that. And our tendency is to trust in ourselves and our own resources. And God says, I want you to trust in me. God says, I got it. Let me teach you. Let me make you into the man and the woman that you're supposed to be. Let me make you into the godly person that you should be. Let me take away all the stuff that you are, you are wanting to, to have for security so that you come to the place where the only thing you want is me. God's in that business of changing people for that sake. Secondly, thirdly, excuse me, there's a spirit in suffering. And that is the Holy Spirit guides us and leads us through prayers. The Holy Spirit guides and leads us through praying. I appreciate so much looking at the bulletin and looking on the back of the bulletin and seeing all the mission agencies that are listed there. You know why they're listed there? So you can pray for them. That's why. I want you to know about them. And by the way, folks, these are real people, real needs, real agencies, just like you and me. They get discouraged and depressed and angry and have anxiety and all the problems that you and I have. Here they are. What a great ministry to be able to take this bulletin and go through and say, I'm praying for these folks. What a great ministry it is to just take a moment, just just make a phone call, send them an email, something just to encourage them. Praying, such an important thing. I'm reminded of the story that Dr. Frank Barker used to tell years ago about Mrs. Ed Spears' who was a prayer warrior in her church. And on her list was a missionary by the name of Jerry Rose. Jerry's a missionary that died in Chattanooga. And for many years, he was a mission uh, air pilot in Papua New Guinea. An amazing man. But she had on her list to pray for uh, uh, Jerry Rose faithfully. And uh, one evening, and she was in bed in... She woke up and she said, Lord, Spirit just impressed upon her. You need to pray for Jerry Rose. Now, Jerry Rose at this time was in Papua New Guinea, missionary, flying around in the jungles, preaching the gospel. She got out of bed, she got on her knees, she said, God, I don't know why I'm having to pray for him. Why'd you put it on my heart? But she prayed and she prayed and prayed, and the next morning she got up and she said, I need to write him a letter. That was back before email and all these conveniences we have now of communication. You had to write a letter, long hand, put a stamp on it, send it. And sometimes, because he was in the jungle of Papua New Guinea, it would take five months for a letter to arrive for him. But she mailed the letter. Five months later, Jerry got the letter. He opened it up, and this is what she asked him. She says, looked at the date, and she says, was there something unusual that was happening at that time that the Spirit of God... Move me to pray for you. And he went to his diary, and Jerry looked at about five months back. He looked at the letter, and he said, Yes, ma'am, there was. He wrote her back. He said, At that very time when you were praying for me, I was in the middle of a jungle with a tribe of Indians, and I thought the chief was about to put a spear through me to kill me. He said, my hands were bound behind my back, and just as the chief was about to kill me, someone called out to him and changed his mind. He put the spear down, release me. And Jerry received not one, but two, three, four, five such letters from five different continents. What a powerful thing you have to pray for people who are going through difficulties to encourage them. Are you experiencing that peace as you're going through your trial? You know what it is to have the peace that surpasses all understanding that guards your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus? I confess to you I struggle with that every day. But I thank you that the gospel is truth. Many of you have heard this story before and hesitate to repeat it, but it's so powerful. Story about Horatio Spafford, who knew something about life's unexpected challenges. He was a successful attorney in Chicago, and he had bought a lot of real estate to developing it and thinking that he would make a lot of money until 1871. Chicago fire came and wiped him out totally. And at the same time, his four-year-old son died of scarlet fever. Thinking that a vacation would be good for his wife and his daughters and him, he put them on a boat intending to come later to go to England for a trip to be in the with the ministry of Ira Sankey, who led many of the uh, singing revivals in that time. And while that ship was going across the ocean, it ran into another ship in the Atlantic. It was a horrible collision. sank. 200 people died. Four of them were his daughters. His wife was saved, Anna. She got safely to England, she sent him a telegram and she said, Saved alone, what shall I do? Now Horatio had already lost one son, now four daughters. And he immediately got affairs in order and he set sail for England. And at one point during the voyage as he was going across the Atlanta, the captain of the ship, aware of the tragedy involving his family, brought him up to the front of the ship and said, this is the very spot where the ship went under. He thought about his daughters, he thought about words of encouragement, words of comfort, hope filled his heart and his mind. And that evening he sat down with a pen and a piece of paper and he wrote these words. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, Thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well, it is well with my soul. Would you pray with me? Father, thank You for that You are the God of all comfort. You are the God who lifts us from the pit of discouragement puts a song in our hearts that we can sing to glorify you. that Father, we pray for those this morning and those that are online that need this encouragement. Father, would you use us as a church at Lake Oconee, as a church of healing, as a church that reaches out to those that are not loved by the world, to those that need the gospel, to those that need to come to this place and say, I am loved through you because God loves you. Thank you for the precious promise of your word this morning and the encouragement you bring. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand together and let's sing hymn number 691. It is well.
2: Peace like, like a-
1: standing for the blessing of God in the benediction, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding shall keep your hearts and your minds through Jesus Christ our Lord.